This week's Sonic Talk, we take a listen to Moog's new lap steel guitar, Grand Bargain with Apple's main stage now available separately in the App Store, Behringer's 10,000 watt iPod dock, V-meters USB touch strip controller, and we get Christmassy with an HP flatbed scanner. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out their pocket track 24-bit 96k recorders on the C24 and W24 at a Yamaha dealer near you. And by Mac Pro Video, training software for audio professionals. Save 20% on all downloads by visiting the URL sonicstate.com forward slash mvp. Hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 247, recording today live on Wednesday the, t- the 14th of December and the run-up for Christmas. We're getting there. Um, I've got a bit of a cold, so excuse my uh, sniffling and snuffling, but... Nonetheless, uh, we've still got a wonderful panel with us. I'm going to switch over to uh, my Skype cam here. Hello, everybody. And, oh, actually, we'll say hello to everybody in the chat room there. Uh, thanks for joining us. We've got a nice, fulsome chat room. Getting a, a regular crew there. Sorry about the pre-show being a little bit uh, a bit here and there, but uh, it's very important, the order in which I boot up software and get video sources to catch. It's all a bit Heath Robinson, held together with string and sticky tape. But it does work. Just wanted to let you know. Right, so let's say hello to everybody um, in the uh, joining us live on Skype. We've got Mr. Rich Hilton there, over there in Connecticut. Uh, Rich Hilton from hiltonius.com. Uh, he works with Nile Rogers in his private facility on a regular basis. Do you have some special, like, thumbprint to get you into this underground bunker? I've got this sort of sensation that you go down <laughs> in sort of several levels, like some sort of uh, James Bond type uh, type affair. Or is it all uh, all daylight and lovely? Actually, I know the answer to that, don't I? Daylight and lovely, you know it is. But, uh, <laughs> I do. But that's a funny image. I like that. Anyway, thank and you. What's for- funny about it is what's funny about it is they changed the locks the other day, and I went there having to do something that needed to be done on a deadline. And I got to the studio and inserted my key, and nothing worked. Oh you know? no! So I uh, had to resort to the thumbprint technique to get into the building. Actually, it was. Oh uh, really? No. I, it, we we <laughs> have to scale the wall like Spider Man. I did manage to find my way in, but nevertheless, uh, it's not quite thumbprint security. No, we're pretty much right there in Westport, Connecticut, somewhere. Well, anyway, Rich, thank you <laughs> but, very much for joining us, and um, and I thoroughly uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, we've had a we've been been had a bit of snow here today, so everything's gone a bit wrong. <laughs> I think that's probably what it is. Anyway, let's have a look. Who? Well, who's this? I see. Hey. There's there's actually is that Santa Claus? <laughs> or was it Santa Spears? Santa Spears. Santa Spears. Ho, ho, there we go. Ho, ho, ho. There's Dave Spears, G4 Software, <laughs> taking taking the Christmas spirit to its logical conclusion there. Um, are you nibbling on <laughs> mince pies? <laughs> no, chewing gum to stop the nicotine craving. It, actually, I'm really, really itchy, and I'm kind of spitting, but I lost the bet, so I've got to wear this. Oh, really? What bet was that then, Dave? Just one I had with myself earlier. Oh right, that you that something wouldn't happen and it did. You don't have to tell us what yeah. that might be. Is that something? Is it deadline related by any chance? <laughs> no, no, oh. not at all. Oh, right, fair enough. Well, um, thank you very much for joining us, and um, and you know, and you and your beard. Actually, I was going to wear that next week, um, assuming everybody could make it, or anybody could make it for next week. So, but anyway, thank you, you very can much. Borrow this. Can I? Well, 
Hold on. <laughs> I can't quite reach it there. Sorry. Anyway, Dave, yeah. thank you very much for joining us too. And we've also got right over there, Mr. Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, who is our hello, resident hello. producer and co-host on the fabulous Sonic Touch uh, music and iPad uh, show that we're we're doing. I've been uploading a, a, a an episode today, and hopefully um, it'll be online a little bit later on when I get home after I've yes. edited this or something. How are you, Gaz? You well? Yeah, really good, thank you. Can we give a little preview to everyone about the lemur? We oh, yes. covered lemur on we, the uh, show. We cover mm-hmm. the lemur application, lemur. and we cover the uh, Nano Studio release as well. So uh, I, people are saying that the video is locking up in the chat room. I think what might be happening is um, I noticed that Rich's video coming back was quite poor, but whereas all ours video in the UK, so there might be an issue with the transatlantic link, he said, making it sound, uh, <laughs> sound really kind of technical. Because I'm looking over at my uh, statistics and there's no uh, drop frames or anything at this end. Um, so I'm hoping... We'll, we'll have the archive. It'll be up on YouTube later. So I'm sorry for all those people who are having issues. But anyway, Gaz, thank you very much for joining us there as well. <coughs> and we've okay. also got Mr. Mark Tinley from likebeing.com. Where are you, Mark? If you say a word, then you'll pop up into one of my two screens. Hello. Hello again. I'm here. Ah, let's see. Where, there you are. I've got you. Ah, you're wearing... I'm masquerading. What? As an elf. I'm masquerading as one of Santa's elves again here. Excellent. <laughs> it looks wonderful. It looks absolutely wonderful. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. Like being uh, Mark Tinley, sound designer, creative thinker, and uh, and um, hat wearer. Which I was thinking, because there was the uh, the challenge last week was to wear, uh, not to wear, uh, was to get some sort of pantomime thing going on, wasn't it? And I thought, well, we could wear a hat. Oh, yeah, I should have said some a sort script of or something, didn't I? So scripts, yeah. Have Where, we got another this? one before Christmas, or is this the last one? Well, I was anticipating doing one next Wednesday, but um, judging by the oh, way things are going... Oh, we do the panto the, next week, then. The panto. We'll do the panto, but I'll come up with a script, because the panto just basically needs to be a really badly told version of a traditional story with lots of uh, References to so, music technology. Uh, yeah, so I'll see if I can find a Christmas story with a music technology theme and maybe, uh, you know, send some ideas. Don't we just, have to have some, we just have to have some DX7 piano in it, and uh, that would be probably about what... Oh. That would be perfect, oh. wouldn't it? That would be perfect, though, Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, or let's... No! <laughs> hang in there, everybody. It's going to be all right. Um, freezing every six to eight seconds. I'm really sorry about this, but we're just going to carry on as normal, and hopefully everybody can uh, get to the bits that they need um, a bit later on. Um, so, anyway, this is uh, Sonic Talk number 247. Let's start with... Ah, we have a lovely, uh, a lovely clip here. I'll just play it for you.
I won't play all of that, but that was uh, improvisation by improvisation by Bill Walker playing the. Well, it's not new, but it's. I think it's new to actually being actually being uh, in production. The Moog Lap Steel, uh, and uh, he's using a Lupulative LP1. Now, um, Dave Spears, you sent me this, or should I say, Santa Spears, you sent me this, and I'm. I'm you said it was the acceptable face of Lap Steel, so I would like some kind of justification for that uh, statement, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, I'm always giving sort of lap steals a hard time because the sound annoys me actually. It sounds like a sort of whining kid or a dying dog, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, I start hearing this filtered, yeah, probably. I know somebody who said that it was the perfect sound of techno, but I laughed when they said that. Um, and then I heard this being filtered and stuff like that and thought, oh, actually, I really quite like this. Even though sometimes that resonance is a little bit harsh on the ears, I just thought, hmm, I quite like it. And it was a good performance. So there you go. Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, the KLF, I might say so, used uh, slide guitar quite a lot on the, uh, is it the white room or the blue room? I forget which one it is. The one where there's lots of ambient mm. stuff. And, uh, and also, I mean, you cannot deny the sound. Is it Larry Colton on all those Joni Mitchell albums? I mean, oh, what a beautiful yeah, sound. annoying. Annoying. I, I, I don't know what's up with you, Dave. There's nothing I can do for you. But uh, lovely. I mean, it's a very expensive item. If I just go to this here, you're, you're going to see uh, it's like 2,800 bucks. I mean, it's really, really uh, 2,900 bucks. It's expensive. It looks like it's beautifully built. And it's got all of that usual, um, all of the stuff with the, uh, with oh, what do they call it? The uh, full sustain mode and the muting mode and the control and the push and the pull and the filtering and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And you can access various uh, items uh, of, you know, various parameters via uh, foot pedals and what have you. But kind of nice. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't get a sense so much of this time with the, uh, with I do with the Moog Guitar 4. I'm really conscious of the high harmonics and they I just, the, the, something about the overtones of them. It may be because I'm not hearing it amplified. I'm hearing the sound of the strings in the room. I don't know. Um, Rich Hilton, have you actually ever um, recorded any any uh, slap guitar? Could you? Could is there been a place for lap steel in your production? Any of your production work? As a matter of fact, there has. Ah, I'm so um, glad you said yes to that. <clears throat> but not the Moog one. But uh, the Moog one looks great, and this guy plays it well. I was fascinated throughout, and um, it just in terms of this guy's performance, it just reminds me of these there's a whole bunch of guys who are getting really good at these foot pedal based loop devices yeah and uh getting in and out of the loop and jamming over it and getting a nice variety of tones and in his case he had that nice filtering and uh this nice open minor tuning that he was working in and he had a really nice command of the thing and uh was very musical it's interesting because i'm guessing really lap steel lap steel players are perhaps more uh, used to controlling the sound via external rather than just the fingers because you get pedal steels, you get expression. You know, there's there's always been a lot of expression and what have you to the technique of playing a lap steel. So this sort of seems perhaps a better match for the Moog guitar than uh, for the for, for the Moog technology than a straightforward six string. Or am I just uh, way off the mark there? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen anybody blow me away with the six string yet, but I'd like to, and I don't rule it out at all. But I um, and in terms of my own recording experience with these kinds of instruments in 1999 we made an album with a group called strange folk and they uh were a rock band based on guitars and they had a fellow 
come in named Gordon Stone, who is really a very talented and nice man. And he played dobro and pedal steel and uh, was generally a very musical and nice textural addition to the whole thing. And uh, some of my favorite stuff on there involves that, those things in there. And somewhat notably, the day we recorded Gordon was the day of the arrival of a hurricane. And, oh, really? the po- and just as we were finishing up with Gordon, the power in the building went out. So we were done and we had what we needed and everything was finished. And then like all the power in the town had gone down mm-hmm. and we had to go fight. We had to go stay overnight in a darkened hotel. Oh, no. Hotels are lots of, really lots of, eerie with no lights on. And what? somebody playing slide guitar down the corridor from the distance as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a plaintiff, a plaintiff blues lick from down the hall. Yeah. Gaz, <laughs> I saw you dash off and grab something. What is it you've got there? Right. Well, um, when I saw this, I didn't know that, uh, that Moog were doing this. So, um, it, But it, it, I, I, I've got a poor man's version of it, and this is something I've been using for... A while on some of my recordings, which is uh, just like a cheap kind of lap steel. Ah, okay. Like so, with a slide. Ah, right. An Ebo. An Ebo. Yeah. For the infinite sustain. (laughs) And a filter. Hey. It's got a foot controller. So it's pretty much. It's great because what's great is you can. Um, it probably won't come through on here, but you can just rest it on the thing. Oh, there we go. Can you hear that? Yes, I'm just hearing it. Just, oh. just about. <laughs> it's just falling everywhere. <laughs> um, but it's funny because it's pretty much, it's nowhere near as good as the Moog thing, but it's pretty much trying to go for the same sort of thing. And um, it's quite nice though because I just plonk the Ebo on there. That just frees my hands up then. So I use one hand with the slide and then the other hand I use to sort of manipulate... Um, the pedal controls and different things. And what's um, approximately what's the total cost of that setup, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so the Ebo is about 50 quid. This is about 60 quid, I think. Um, 50, 60 quid. And the pedal's about 80. Yeah, so less than 200 quid. <laughs> it's a very different thing. I mean, it's obviously not uh, not the luthier built and all of that. I mean, actually, one thing I did see <laughs> the other day, um, and this just popped up on, uh, on when I was looking on YouTube, there was a 1949 National Steel Guitar, and this bloke was just showing a video of him setting it up in his garage, and it came with the original lead, and the lead had a kind of like, it was a really funky jack plug with a sort of bobble on the end and a sort of cloth... Uh, 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 lining and everything, and he just plugged it all in, and it all worked. And he said, "This is all completely." Ir- I don't know what it went for, but it was just just as an aside. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Mark. I'm guessing you're a guitar guy. Have you have you explored the world of um, slide guitars? Oh, look, Mark. Mark. A lot. <laughs> Excellent. Have you tried it with ebos as well? No, I haven't tried an ebo, and I like the idea of that actually. I mean, I've explored alternative tunings and bottlenecks and things like that. And I just, I really, I sort of listened to, I can't remember the man's name, actually, Charlie somebody or another, some blues legend from like the 1930s a lot in my sleep. So, um, Charlie Hooker, I think it is, actually. Right. So I, I, but I just don't, I don't get the country kind of sound of it. I mean, it was all from like when I was a teenager listening to John Peel and John Peel used to kind of intersperse these kind of cool punk things with um, with all these old 30s oh, blues, guys, blues yeah. kind of acoustic guitar blues 
records and I kind of just got into that. The John Peel theme was that thing that went... Yes, it was a slight was guitar, a lit, wasn't it? It was more, yeah, it was like an R&B thing, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I don't know, I guess, and learning to play the guitar, it's sort of kind of important to know how to do the basic blues scales and stuff especially if you're in a punk band you know <laughs> i would like to point out the moog sustain thing is nothing like ebo it works on a completely different technology and it's it, it, it's it's yeah. string and pickup de- independent so you could do some really kind of completely different tonal things but i'm just wondering is there is there a way to ebo multiple strings at the same time or does it all interfere with one another i mean you can get six string ones with buttons on that you can trigger and you know you, i mean it would seem theoretically like, that that was the original gizmo that uh godly and cream yes. invented oh, a push button yeah. thing that would give you sustain yeah. it was a series of turning wheels or something and uh yeah that would excite the strings right down by the bridge oh i see was it right. so it just kind of tickled them as on demand <laughs> this sounded good yeah sorry on that's, demand exactly that sounds a little bit more um dirty than it was supposed to but anyway that sounds like quite a good yeah. show title already tickles of them on demand yes it's <laughs> but anyway, the moment we'll... you start getting into that more lap steel kind of sound though it starts ending up in like country doesn't it so that's well, it's, a very really speci- it, it's a very specific I tone don't... isn't it the uh mind yeah, you uh, I mean, we're Steve going ha- into, like dolly parton oh well there's nothing really? wrong with, yeah. with auntie dolly but i always uh, well, i always like steve howe Steve Howard would play lap steel on sort of like close to the edge and he would sort of make it like sound really futuristic and really kind of yeah. not country sounding at all, you know. Mm. So John, I think it is quite a flexible well, sound. John Van Eaton in the chat room very, ki- very like kindly that. says, uh, oh, John Van Eaton says, uh, lap through a uh, vocoder just to uh, <clears throat> off Dave and Dave's wives at the same time. You're not a fan of vo- the, the lap steel and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, your wife doesn't like the vocoder, so you could get them both going at the same time. That's a very uh, Christmassy and uh, kindly <laughs> thought, John. You seem to... <laughs> it's an idea for a plug-in, isn't it? Yeah. The lap steel vocoder. Lap steel vocoder, yeah. Very specific kind of uh, annoyance factor, yeah. Anyway, that's the Moog lap steel guitar. I mean, there was no more to it than that, really. I just thought it was nice. And, and um, Dave sent it over. So thank you very much for that. That was lovely. Right, what else have we got? Oh, this is quite big news as well. Let's see. I'm over here, aren't I? Uh, this is the news that... Uh, uh, this is Create Digital Music. Um I put this. I haven't got an intro for this. Create digital music. This was uh, art. He wrote a piece on um, that Logic Nine has been updated and put in the App Store uh, alongside. So it's been broken up into the App Store and Main Stage. So the App Store. If I switch to, I think I've got my App Store here. I switch this. It's uh, App Store. Logic Pro is 139 bucks, and Main Stage is 20. That's uh, £139, and main stage is £20.99. pence. Now, this might seem like a yeah, whatever, because we were all expecting, you know, this sort of huge announcement of OSX and, you know, the Logic Pro X. But actually, thinking about it, you get all of the content, that, like the Apple Loops, the sample instruments, like 1,700, I wrote it down somewhere, um, 1,700 sampler instruments and had 20 gigs of, of uh, Apple Loops and all of this stuff for £20.99. And it has rewire support. So you can run this whole thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's Apple's equivalent of complete or something. And it comes with every single, you know, instrument and plugin that Logic make. And you can run it. I mean, it just seems like for 20 quid, 
Isn't that a little bit yeah. anti-competitive? Rich, I can mm. see you nodding crazily. Are you, I obviously picked up on something that you agree with, which is, uh, makes me feel kind of like, uh, like I'm doing something right. <laughs> well, the main stage thing with all of the loops, basically all of the, everything that's not the program logic, it seems to me, comes to you for 30 bucks now. Yeah. That's it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. I mean, at 500 bucks, we were talking about how impressively cheap it all was. Well, with all thi- those other programs, the now, thing about this, the now, other thing, sorry, carry on. Let me get this out of the way. Let me get this out of the way straight out. Oh, I've got some sort of this uh, is the second time. In, yeah, pardon, there was just some interference this there. It seems the second, to have gone now. Carry on. This is the second time I just recently fallen in love with Wave Burner. And then got burned. Oh. <laughs> the first time was at the end of OS nine, and then very and recently, every now and again, I have to master something. It's not often, but once in a while. And I've used various things along the way. And the most recent thing I had to do, I used WaveBurner and enjoyed it tremendously, and got the hang of the workflow, and thought, "Yeah, this is pretty cool." And so, what did they do? They dropped it again. Oh. They did the same thing for a year or two after uh, OS nine. It took them a long time to put out a version that worked in OS ten, and. Uh, so I'm feeling like I got burned on WaveBurner. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Uh, I mean, but the idea you can buy MainStage and all of that stuff for thirty bucks. I'm just trying to think. Like, how much? How much is Complete Eight if you buy it? What's it like? Eight hundred dollars? What's the price? Does anyone know it in the chat room? Just quickly. But what? There's two different tiers. There's one with everything in the sample libraries, and then there's the other one that's. Not ultimate. What, uh, one okay, of them yeah. ultimate and one ultimate. So there's two Penultimate. different tiers. <laughs> uh, does anyone know in the chat room whether or not uh, – whether what that might be? Basically, it's like the uh, – I think people are uh, – they're not hearing what I'm saying. I think there must be a delay there. So I'm guessing it's probably eight or $900, $800 maybe. I mean, that, that's a guess. Uh, that is a guess. So for, 20, for 30 bucks and the price of a Mac Mini, you can kind of have – a standalone thing that you could run over rewire. I mean, assuming that, that, you know, the performance is good enough. I mean, that's, that's kind of a fairly major thing. I mean, this, this has been played down and uh, it's only thanks to Peter Kern on Create Digital Music that I sort of thought, wow, that has actually kind of almost something that is going to really fly. I mean, you could buy a new machine for the same price. I mean, it's not quite the same thing clearly, but I don't know. Mm. It's a lot of it does next, 30 bucks. The Who's next that, question you need, to, you need to ask is because GarageBand and Logic are essentially the same program, how many of those plugins or how much of that program could be, get, could be made to sit inside GarageBand and essentially turn GarageBand into pretty much into a, a Logic version with all those synths and plugins? So that's you know. that's interesting. I don't know if GarageBand works with Rewire or not. I mean, I would imagine it might not, but I'm not entirely sure. Well, given the but given that the program underlying is pretty much the same, are those plugins hardwired completely into the code of MainStage, or are they floating around in there somewhere such that you could just open the contents of one and drag and drop the bits and pieces into the other? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could see it would make plugins. <laughs> It would make if sense. they're truly plugins, they should work in the other in the other version of the program, theoretically. Interesting idea. I mean, I don't know that they were. Well, we'll see what they do, but it might be a sign of things to come. I know Dave Spears. I mean, you are you are an Apple developer. You know, you kind of do stuff. Um, 
you know, with with logic and what have you in mind, just purely because of the the, the, the nature of your work with plugins. I mean, is this going to make any difference? It seems like quite a good deal. I mean, I, if I was starting out, I'd be thinking, yeah, hell yeah, I'll get that. I mean, obviously, it's no good if you're on a PC, but why ever not, eh? Yeah, no, I think it's really good. Uh, what price was Logic before this one ninety nine price I think drop? It, I think it was about three hundred. Four hundred. Four hundred. Four hundred and twenty UK pounds. Four hundred and twenty UK pounds. Wow. wow. Okay, so that's massive. And it's interesting yeah. that they've got rid of Logic Express because that was uh, it was strange actually. We we rarely get support uh, emails for Logic Pro, but weirdly enough. Uh, we used to get quite a few for Logic Express and I was never sure whether that was a kind of pro versus sort of, you know, casual user and whether people have had had Logic Express for quite a while. But uh, it's interesting that they... There were some things like AU validations were slightly different in terms of oh, Logic great. Express. Just you know, they'd be eh? slightly more problematical. Yeah, the consistency didn't seem to be there, which is surprising because I was convinced it was the same code base originally. But yeah, I think you know Logic Pro at bloody one nine nine bargain main stage twenty nine bucks bargain. It's hard. I mean, I must admit we did um, when when I was working on production with uh, a live band. You know, we were trying to run the show out of main stage, and we got as far as the keyboard players, and that was great because it meant that we could just pull all the stuff in editing Logic and really quickly get them together and working. But the problem was then, um, it was the drums. The drums were not consistent. The latency was not consistent enough to be triggering pad sounds and that sort of things. I mean, that may well, I mean, we're talking three, four years ago. So maybe that the latencies have come down and, you know, there are machines currently, you know, like i7 or i5 uh, Mac minis that are able to cope with uh, the, the, the speed and the um, the priority of dealing with that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the one thing that always let it down. And I think they ended up, if I remember correctly, they had to run everything. I think they. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to remember now. I think they might have ended up putting everything back in Logic because it was easier for that to be controlled from a master source. I forget the name of the program there. Somebody wrote a, f a funky little utility that allows you to run Logic and send commands to other uh, stations that load songs in time and all that sort of thing. So I'd be really interested to know where the main stage has made the leap into real proper professional kind of capability or whether it's still at the sort of I'm doing a little gig um, and doing that. I know for a fact I know for a fact that Nick Rhodes is about to start using it as his keyboard rig. Oh really? So they're going to run three instances of main stage but I'm, I think I'm right in saying that you can bolt AU plugins into it as well or VST plugins or something so you can run other people's plugins in main stage can't you? Ah, I, right yeah. I don't know actually. I yeah. mean, not VST so not probably, just but with the logic stuff you can add some other stuff in there as well. I think. Ah, so that makes it very interesting as an environment. I mean, that's sort of started to encroach on all sorts oh, of absolutely. other. Absolutely, your whole AU world shows up there. Right, right. I know the Ultravox guys used it on the last tour, and I think they all were using it on main stage. Really. What, yeah. But perhaps not the drums. I mean, this is the thing that you know stopped it before because the drummer just could not kind of play it with any certainty. You know, at least I think I think the issue was at least what happened with we went back to using the S five thousand because although that is latent, it's a it's a specific amount of latency every time, so you can play to it. Yeah. It doesn't move around, and I think that was kind of the issue that uh, 
that was the problem. And now that's quite interesting because I was looking back at the interviews I did with, uh, I was doing with Flood and he was saying, you know, the problem that you get is when you're loading machines up, certainly in native mode, I don't know if that's in Pro Tools or not, you get differences in latency and processing lag between things and things move around a little bit. And I'm not sure how true that is, but certainly in drum world, you're going to, th- those guys are going to feel it perhaps more uh, sensitively than, you know, your average brain of mine, like like mine. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Is it, uh, Rich, is that true, or am I talking out of my proverbial? No, I don't answer that question. <laughs> you look like you're just going to say, yes, you are talking out of your... <laughs> I, I, I quite honestly didn't hear what you said, ah, and, okay. and so I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but I right. can't respond to it. That's all right. I'll gloss over that. I, Can... Logic doesn't have PDC, does it? Or I'm not sure how its PDC is kind of uh, implemented. Uh, delay compensation. Da- delay compensation. Yes, it does. It does uh, have it. It's, it's automatic. It yeah, it does. You can switch it in uh, to of... whether it's at what level, whether it's channels or auxes and buses as well. I, I can't remember what it is. I, I don't want to launch oh, it okay. here because it's, uh, it's probably going to bring everything to its knees. Mm-hmm. But um, A friend so... of mine... A friend of... A friend of mine was doing something in Logic the other day, and he was using Ozone as a de-esser or something, or doing, or no, it was removing clicks off a double bass as a as a track insert rather than as a mastering uh, thing. And he was getting it being delayed and slightly out of time. So I was kind of thinking, oh, that's interesting because that sounds like the bad old days of uh, plugins, sort of not. Paving, uh, I, do, so. I don't know. Um, there may be particular routings that work. You have to go and pick something in the preferences. Right? Is that mm. true? Okay. But anyway, that was... But, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, go. I, w- I was just going to say, though, about this £20.99 sort of price point uh, that main stage has come in at, and also was it £139 or something logic? It's, it is this kind of shift, isn't it, that Apple are doing, which we have talked about before as more courting the sort of, you know, consumer or prosumer end of the market and seeming to be abandoning the sort of high ends that we've seen it with final cut now and uh well maybe so i mean i'm actually i'm thinking a little bit differently about that now because if you shift a lot Mm. of main stage based on dropping the kind of the level then more people are going to adopt it and that there's going to be a sort of blurring of the line between you know kids at home in their bedrooms and people who want to use it on proper tools and that sort of thing and if more money goes into the actual coffers for that particular project then presumably more resources will go to the coders who can then accommodate the wishes of you know because basically as far as i can tell apple are no different to any other company they love hanging out with pop stars you know and doing things for for famous for famous rock stars you know that's the way to get into their kind of good books is to be famous you know and say give tickets and what have you. I mean, you know, not exclusively, but sometimes, you know, you can get in and just say, look, we've got a problem with mainstage. We want to use it. And they, you know, and I think that that might actually open things up a little bit more in that respect. So I'm, I'm not sure that that's a, that's a bad thing, but maybe I, I don't think kind it of is. cool, isn't it? If, if everybody ends up using the same tools and then it's down to raw talent as to whether a band makes it or not, isn't that kind of cool? Kind of cool to think that a 15 year old kid, with like a small budget can put together a music technology system that can rival or match something that a world-class touring act has. And to know that at the end of the day, when you hear something coming out of either of those camps, that what it boils down to is raw talent. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. I mean, and that's uh, that's again, you know, it's one of the 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 the, uh, the, the continual truisms about making music, isn't it? So yeah, that's a great leveling, a leveling field. But uh, by the same token, you know, we end up in a situation where we've also covered where things become homogenised and everything the same, and you know. But anyway, uh, the bottom line is, for twenty quid or thirty bucks, you can get hold of a whole bunch of stuff and whether you're whatever level you're working at it as even if you're a kid you know in your bedroom just wants to access some sound this has got a lot of that if you're someone who wants to maybe do gigs there's a lot of that too so i mean i think there's some great it's it's a it's a very interesting move and one that frankly is likely to kind of give everybody a bit of a kick up the bum isn't it because i mean a lot of these other people a lot of software developers can't compete with those sort of prices so i'm not sure how great that is in that respect but anyway that's that's beside the point. i thought peter kern had some really great points actually from a developer's point of view in that you know if you have other revenue streams and in particular he mentioned the pro support you know the subscription based support that you can probably afford to kind of slash prices like this because in the normal course of events most of the money you make on any kind of software usually goes back into development and largely support so it was quite an interesting. Uh, he had some really good points, actually. It's the first time I've read his blog kind of thoroughly. No, it's good. It's a good article. And um, in the chat room, Wildman says, uh, just to have interest, U.S. Treasury Department puts the country's operating cash balance at seventy-three billion, whereas Apple has cash reserves of seventy-six billion. <laughs> Yes, and also suggest that Apple should sponsor this show. Well, of course, uh, I'd love that, uh, but uh, and I know sometimes we do come across us, or certainly I do, as an Apple fanboy. But that's not true. It's just this is a pretty groundbreaking announcement, and uh, you know, what can you say? Um, right then, I think it's probably time for an ad. So if you need to um, to do anything, um, scratch your beard or anything, Dave, a Secret Santa there, then I will play the ad now. So I just want to say thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, what you're looking at here, if you're watching the video stream, I certainly suggest you do, is the Yamaha C24 and W24 Pocket Tracks. These are some of the smallest 24-bit 96K recorders that you can get. Uh, pocket size, the C24 is 57 grams, absolutely tiny. Four and a half seconds start-up time, uh, 24-bit 96K, records to high-capacity micro SD cards. It's got two gigs built in, XY configured stereo mics, peak limiter, all of those things. And the W24 is uh, a sort of its bigger brother uh, with with infrared control, which is fantastic if you are recording your own gig, maybe you've got it at the back of the room on top of a mic stand or up in the air, you can trigger it from uh, on stage without kind of having to climb up a chair or have a mate operate it. But beside that, it, these uh, these are they've got large stereo mic, wireless control, everything. There's lots of lots of stuff that it's got going for it. You've also got Cubase AI five music production software included. Uh, and uh, tuner and metronome, onboard speaker for checking recordings. So what you want to do is go to yamahasynth.com or yamahadownload.com. If you're in the UK, check the... Um, check, sorry, Dave is really putting me off. Check the... Uh, the location of Pulse stores, which are kind of like stores within stores. And uh, they will be able to tell you where to go and try one of these out. And if you're in the US, uh, check one out. Go take some memory down to a store with you, record some stuff, take it home, see what it sounds like, and see whether or not they're for you. That's Once again, we thank Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Oh, I thought I was going to catch you there, Dave. I have caught you, in fact. There, there you go. Right. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> you swine. 
I just Sorry. couldn't stop that. I was thinking, what are you doing? And then I looked closely and I thought, oh, I see. I actually thought that might have been a pocket track in your hand for a moment, but uh, it's not. As it, uh, right. So what should we do next? Ah, this is, uh, do, do we want to bother with the iPod dock stunt? This is the uh, new Behringer uh, iPod, whatever. This is. I'll just quickly have a look at it. It's quite funny, actually. Look at that. That is this enormous 10,000 watts of power, uh, eight foot by four foot chassis that weighs at 700 pounds. Going to. It's. They're using. Behringer are using it as a stone. If you see that tiny little. Uh, that's the. That's the phone on the top. It's to launch their new Euro Sound um, kind of um, brand, I think. And uh, and basically uh, that's being uh, launched at CES, which is just before NAM. In fact, if you go to NAM and you've seen people who've done CES first, then they're the really tired ones who look like they just want to go home. Uh, but anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny. Anyone likely to want one of those? I mean, this is... Is that everybody seems to be moving into the lifestyle brand, isn't it? I mean, everybody wants to be part of the lifestyle thing, and just it's kind of getting a bit tiresome. Doesn't anybody want to make professional stuff anymore? I know, Dave, you do, don't you? You want to make professional? Make? Do you want to make lifestyle apps, or do you want to make professional kind of music creation stuff? No, lifestyle's marketing over substance. I think probably a lot more cash in it, but. Bah humbug. Bah humbug, says um, Santa Dave yeah. there. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I... No, I don't know. I quite like this completely absurd $30,000 thing. That did make me laugh. I thought it was a joke at first. I thought and, there was uh... a particularly good uh, uh, quip. This was on the Future Music blog, which is not related to future uh, publishing. Uh, they said uh, they would... Um, they should actually have a what is it if I just if I can zoom that in a Euro Sound ladder to go with it as well so that uh, you can climb up and change your uh, change your music on that. I mean this is the same problem that we saw with the Jean Michel Jarre one, which is basically you have to climb up a ladder to change the music. It's a publicity stunt. What can you say? Um, yeah. Not much. And before the tumbleweed kicks in, I think I'll move on to uh, well, another video. <laughs> eh? I actually do have something. to oh, say. Oh, go on then, Rich. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Um, well, I, I have two different rigs here, and one of them has a dock on it onto which I can just slide this baby. And and then from the screen of or the menu system of the audio video device, I can operate the iPod library and select tracks from it and play them. Right. And then downstairs on my other rig, connected digitally, I have an Airport Express, which is part of the AirTunes network in my house. And I got to say, I never actually stick this thing in the stereo, but I will always light this thing up, operate it, and play songs through digitally through the Airport Express rig. Yeah, right, words, as, as one of the air tunes. Right. It's much more fun to operate this thing than it is any of those menu-driven uh, systems that I've seen Yeah, as far as navigating your library and getting to things. Right. Brilliant. I totally agree. I do exactly the same thing. I can play anything off my phone and have it come out any set of speakers in the house. It's absolutely brilliant. So what do you use um, for air so I don't you, want do you to use... plug my phone into anything. I want it in my pocket. So if I go... Oh, that would appear oh. to be... <laughs> so at the end of that, that must be... What a uh, dramatic pause. That was a very dramatic pause. I don't know great. what happened there, but it was quite exciting. Maybe maybe uh, Mark will come... Up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Put it in my pocket. Yeah, not sure that's a good idea by the sound of it. I think he just put it in his pocket and something terrible happened. Oops, I I nearly played a video there. 
which is not what I wanted to do. Um, I'll, I'll jump to this view. So uh, actually the AirTunes mm. thing is cool, but I mean, basically the thing I, I don't like, this we're on Apple's again, aren't we? Um, the thing I don't like about it is you've got to have an airport and a set of powered speakers. I like something to be, you know, just a unit that I can pick up and just go, that's an AirTunes receiver. That's what I'd like to have. And there aren't many of those yet. Not enough of them. Anyway, at decent price. Yeah, right, true. all right. Can we um okay. next, yeah. next April, can oh. we um do a little April Fools that Apple are changing this um connector and just see how many people freak out? <laughs> <laughs> it's a thunderbolt, yeah, a single wire. It's all coming through the it's headphones. It's going to happen. You know that day's coming mm. someday. Yeah, it, it's, it won't be an April Fool's then. It's just going to be an absolute no. Right, I think Mark is probably um, coming back with us. Yeah, guess. Yeah, a slightly connected point. Um, <laughs> the uh, I know that the iPhone 4S has got Bluetooth 4, and under Bluetooth 4, you can kind of run things at a latency of 6 milliseconds. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm assuming that other Android phones and other devices are going to be supporting this um, Bluetooth four. Yeah, um, that's something that's I, been yeah. That's, that, that, so that's I, I've only just found out about that, but then that suddenly made me quite excited about the about about, about wireless. Uh, let let me just yes. go and get Mark again quickly because I think he's probably waiting for us, unless of course he's okay. had a power cut. Hmm. I, I'll leave. In fact, what I can do is leave you with a little bit of. Um, Dave Smith Tempest. Um, but the reason why... The, uh, <laughs> I'll stop that. You carry on there. The reason, the reason why I was mentioning that was that... Was, does that Behringer thing have... Uh, does it have Bluetooth in it as well? Uh, I have no idea. I think it's probably got a whole lot of air in it, based on its mm. eight foot by four foot. I'm sure yeah. they could have... Almost, they've probably got someone in there uh, who you shout at that will change the tunes for <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> so, I, was just, I was just imagining how cool that would be, though, if you could do it over the air and you did get the latency down to sort of less than six milliseconds, then that would be a pretty nifty thing to have, wouldn't it? Right. I'd 5,000 watts and, uh, you know... A wireless yeah, controller. That would be terrifyingly loud. Um, looks like Mark's rebooting <laughs> or um, has had, like I say, a power cut or some kind of network failure. So let's move on to uh, V-Meter. This is something that Dave again found. You've been on, you're on fire this week, Dave. You've sent me so many topics. Amazing. So I'm going to play that. That's my Vid2 button. Here it comes. This is the 57-second version. Now, apparently, if I put myself in it, then it doesn't violate the uh, copyright of uh, YouTube. Here I am again. What is it about? I find myself doing the same thing. The only thing you can actually use to uh, do that is basically um, filters. But anyway, that is the V meter, which I will flip to the. I've got a web page up here and everything. I flip to that. It's uh, it's uh, from well, it's from vmeter.net. Uh, it's fifty nine bucks. 
and it's a single USB, but it's got an LED in it. It's pressure sensitive. It's also location sensitive. It's got kind of it looks like quite an interesting idea for a controller. Uh, I I don't know, Dave. Th- this obviously piqued your fancy. What uh, what was it about it that uh, that did it? It was a good toy. Good price toy. Christmas. Who doesn't want a toy at Christmas? I thought it was really neat. <laughs> I'm a bit of a sucker for ribbon controllers and all of that kind of stuff. I've got the Kurzweil one over there and the CS60 thing over there. And I just thought, oh, that's cool. I could buy a few of these and put them together and do something silly until I get bored and then put them in a corner where they'll join the rest of the ribbon The rest of my controller. I've got a little, I've got a special <laughs> room for housing controllers, yeah. Uh, yes, I know what you're saying. Um, no, it's a good, good idea. Though. I mean, I, I couldn't help it. The thing that I liked, to, I liked about it, and then was a bit disappointed to find out, was that uh, you can you've got the VU meter mode, which allows you to monitor audio. You've got these other ones, but it's all done via Max MSP, and it's so that's only available if you get a download a special plugin for live, and it integrates well with live, as do a lot of these things. So I'm not sure how much more use this would be than, say, the little Steinberg controller with eight faders on it. You know, I mean, they've got LEDs by the side of them. Not not as many steps, admittedly, but uh, I don't know. Is there any reason why this would this would be better for that? Gaz, you look like you might be pondering that question. <laughs> I was just checking out more information about it. Uh, it looks quite nice for mounting onto stuff, though, doesn't it? You know, you could kind of, you know, if you wanted to make sort of, you could mount it onto a guitar or... I think that's quite nice because it's uh, yeah a single um, USB port per per hardware device, so you can have some uh, one hell of a USB hub in the chain there somewhere. Mm. But yeah, how does the how does the pressure sensitivity work on it? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I can't see um, that there's anything bendy, um, but it's. Mm. It looks like it's. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's something underneath or whatever. I mean, mm. I have to find out that out a little bit. I'm not entirely sure. I- uh, the, the price seems right, though, doesn't it? I mean, you know, yeah, I know I what you mean. I mean, it's it's, it's about it. the price of a nano control, isn't it? It's actually a, a little, yeah. a little bit less than a Korg Monotribe. Uh, if you check mm. out the review that I've just posted of the Duo and the Delay, by the way, it's now online. <laughs> just while I plug that, um, <clears throat> yeah, it looks like it could be fun. I know, Rich. Um, there's something there's something euphonicy about it, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? It's got that kind of look um, for, for the, like the Master Control, but that. Is there something about faders that aren't faders that appeals to you? I mean, I quite like having a physical thing to move and see. Well, uh, my friends who use the drawbar simulators that Nord has, for example, say that you get used to it. I can't say I've spent a lot of time with it, but I don't think I'd have a problem with it. And I quite like this idea as a product until I saw more than one of them on the table. And then I said, no, actually, the real product from a product market development standpoint to me is not selling these individual chopsticks and connecting them to a USB hub, but selling something that's got eight of them in a small box that you can control simultaneously or in a fixed formation. Yeah. Well, maybe that's something that he's got planned. I mean, this is uh, presumably early days, but yeah, that would make more sense. I think so. But I mean, you know, as as um, Gaz will tell you, you know, we've just in the, the episode for Sonic Touch, which has gone up hopefully today or will be here by the time the show's online. We took a look at the Lima application, which has that kind of capability built into it. And it's like, you know, I mean, it is an iPad thing. So, I mean, I suppose that's going to put some people off. <coughs> but you get that level. I mean, if it's just touch, then what's the point in having something that isn't built into one of those devices? I suppose it's price really, isn't it? 
Hmm. Well, in the lights, right? Quite honestly, it could look really cool in a live performance circumstance. But yeah. the fact that they they would have to be perfectly aligned to look right. Yeah, yeah unless so you a, want a special a couple. Well, I, you could probably mount a couple at the other axis. I mean, you could have them facing both directions. But the point is the look of the thing. If the point is the look of the thing, then having them as hmm. individual single ones, to me. Right is weird, and you want to have a either you either want to sell a chassis for them with the USB hub built into it, or you just mm. want to build a box that is a few of them, four of them, eight of them, whatever, however many you think. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. A fair point, well made. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. Are you there? I'm seeing a spinning icon, so I'm not entirely sure whether you can hear no, us I'm or see us. Okay, well, we'll we'll. I'm s- here, but I'm seeing a spinning icon for everyone else. Can you hear me? I can, can hear, hear you fine. Funny. Excellent. Um, I was uh, quite excited by it and thought it looked fantastic. I didn't watch all of the video, uh, and uh, you were just talking about it just now, and you said, uh, of course, it's Max, Max MX, uh, Max. MSP. Oh, it needs, that? yeah, it needs the Max that, MSP yeah. runtime engine, which means you don't have to buy it. You've got, you've got this little runtime engine, oh, which sure. gives you. Yeah. The moment you said that, I just closed the window and went, you know what? I just don't even want to go there. It's so, it just, uh, sorry, it's too complicated. Just give me something, you know, simple to work with. I don't, I, I, I don't want to have to spend, to use my uh, logical brain to make music. I want to make music with my music making brain. And when it comes to digging around in all that really, really heavy math stuff, you know, there's a limit to where that's fun. And uh, Max MSP is just slightly beyond that limit. So I just kind of thought, well, no, I like the way it looks. I like what it does, but I don't want to get involved with Max MSP anymore. That's that's actually an interesting point you make because all of this controller stuff. I mean, this is something that I've always found myself. I mean, maybe other people don't. It's it it it's geared towards the part after you've already made the music and you want to perform it. It's not really all that much use for creating the music because, as I've said, you know, it's the same thing with drum pads. You know, it's like great. Oh, I'd like to have MPC style drum pads on my you know keyboard, whatever. But if I'm looking for a beat and figuring that stuff out, I really don't want to stop and have to assign notes to a load of pads because then it's all over. I've finished. I just, you know, that, that moment has gone. There's no time left in, you know, to, to actually, I won't ever get that back. So I just, you just want to reach for it and just go, go. And that's the thing that all... It's almost like... Yeah. See, I think creativity, it's all to do with creativity, isn't it? And when you're being creative, it's almost like you've just dived into the uh, fast running stream and if you if you don't stay in the flow of that idea and where that idea is going and you stop and you get out and you start fiddling around with the boat and checking that the rudder's aligned or something you've lost it haven't you that's the a very very that's a very that's good that. analogy it's interesting there are a number of sort of old school performers who work in that way and definitely i mean i remember um Van Morrison uh, bought the old Woolhall recording studio, which is uh, not far away from from uh, from Bath. That's where I did some album work and stuff in the past. And he bought it and used it as his own recording studio. And I used to know a chap who's a multi-instrumentalist, and he used to get gigs occasionally going out to work with Van. And Van Morrison is a very... Uh, demanding person to work for because he just sort of wanders around and then suddenly it's like go i'm ready and everybody has to be ready just to catch whatever's coming out of his brain at that time and that is actually 
a really difficult thing to achieve and even and back then it required some highly skilled and 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 um perceptive individuals to make that happen and that's something that we're kind of missing massively perhaps um from the point of all of this stuff dave oh santa you were nodding there quite heavily yeah no it's a really good point a really really good point in fact i know uh somebody used to play keyboards for van morrison said you know he would literally just shout out what he wanted to do next and everybody had to be ready everybody had to be on the ball from text to programmers right through to all the musicians and i think his knowledge base of songs it was in the thousands amazing but yeah definitely you don't think about that but actually there are people who operate on that level and expect everybody else to operate on that level immediately they say jump yeah, I mean, that's tricky. And also, there are a lot of stories. I mean, I know quite a lot of people who work for, for Mr. Morrison, and uh, there are some great stories about his total disinterest in technology and why, frankly, why should he be interested in technology? He's about the, the thing. I mean, uh, about his own thing, but people having to interpret his desires into the new technologies available in the studio. Uh, there's some great stories about, you know, getting phone calls in the middle of the night saying, I've put this CD on the turntable and no, make a noise, you know, that kind of stuff. It's great, really, yeah. but, uh, but that's what it comes down to. I mean, I'm Rich, I'm guessing, you know, in a lot of the environments that you work in, uh, that is quite critical as well, isn't it? That just sort of get ready to catch it, don't miss it. I mean, how, this sort of stuff doesn't fit in with that kind of paradigm, does it? Which stuff doesn't fit in? This kind of having to set up controller, you know, just, just things that aren't ready to go oh, right that, away, I, mean, I suppose. No, it's a completely, it's much, it has much more to do with uh, sculpture than with photography. It's not a real-time, instantaneous type of thing. You have to set up a whole set of parameters with it. You're basically, it's like sim, sim world. It's sim creativity. You have to create your... In creative environment from which you can then theoretically begin to undertake those kinds of things that you're describing. Mm. But this is the building of that environment. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I suppose the thing is if you can create that and then this stuff can then respond to stuff in real time. But like I said, it sort of, it seems to be more after you've done the real creative outpouring rather than. Oh, apparently you can. And uh, there was once published uh, Michael Brecker's logic environment, which apparently was pages and pages wide and the most complicated looking thing. And it probably rivaled the wiring diagram of New York City kind of thing. And uh, and it allowed him real-time control over all kinds of things that were important to him on various instruments at various times during his show. So I think that, yes, it can be achieved to that extent. But when you're working around a guy like Van Morrison, apparently, that wouldn't be – that's a misapplication of a technique to a circumstance. That's not the place for that. Right. Gotcha. And I think that was your point. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, you it's look like you want to come in there. Yeah. I do. I, it has just got me thinking. Um, I was trying out Siri on the somebody else's iPhone 4S and just sort of this whole idea that you don't – you know, that you say what you want it to do and it can intelligently interpret your commands, you know, like, uh, oh, text my girlfriend, I'll be late or whatever it is, you know. And I guess it's still relatively early days for this, but um, just got me thinking about how that kind of technology could start being put into doors. You know, you say, um, okay, set me up 24 tracks, blah, 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 you know, just give it a few voice commands. Uh, or like, you know, to do with setting up controller routines, you know, just tell it what you want it to do and let the computer sort of figure it all out in the background. <laughs> just inter- 
just got me thinking about that. I hadn't really thought about it before. Voice voice commands. Well, don't, for do, I don't know if you remember um, when the original Yamaha DMP7 mixer came out. Um, it kind of it was the first affordable flying fader digital consoles, from what I recall. And um, Wally Badaru, who was the keyboard player for Grace Jones, presumably made you know a reasonable amount of money out of those projects because they were huge. You know, all through that that period of time. He created, and I remember reading something in Sound on Sound in one of the magazines, a voice-activated mix studio where he would say, you know, whatever it was he would say. I mean, obviously, we're talking probably 20 years before the technology was ready for that to actually happen. But uh, I just I just triggered a memory of that. Um, of that, and I wonder, I mean, you know, are we getting to the stage where where voice activated mix is going to work? I mean, surely, though, isn't that what isn't that what we are? <laughs> Is that like a Neve console yeah, theory so in it? But isn't that what uh, we do? I, isn't that our job? Our job is to <laughs> is to respond to those voice activated commands and execute them for our clients, right? <laughs> I mean, you can. Oh, yeah. yeah, but the problem is the problem with that is that we can think way faster than we can communicate. So you need to build right. a relationship up with your client, don't you? So if I'm working with Nick. I need to know what he's going to ask me to do before he asks me <laughs> ah, so that I've okay. already started doing it. Otherwise, I can't work as fast as he can think. I so see. I exactly. kind of know what he's thinking, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So, exactly. No, no. Absolutely. Yeah, it so, does make so, sense. So it, it involves working, building a relationship with the person you're working with as well as just being able to operate a studio. I mean, the people whose lives I just wouldn't want to have, it's like, you know, the person that's, bought a whole load of gear, set up a studio, and they're working at a fairly sort of semi-professional level with a lot of different bands coming in each day and and having to do lots of different styles of music. Those guys, I mean, I know a few of those guys, and they just must be so stressed out by it. <laughs> I'm sure it must be, yeah. Uh, but it's an interesting whole, interesting area. I mean, we've kind of probably wandered off the original point of this topic, which I shall now try and bring back just oh, to say sorry. just no that was my own doing i mean i was the one who brought it up so uh, really there's no need to apologize um so uh that's that was it started out as the v meter usb controller uh, and there it is and this is kind of an interesting new device uh I, i'm not sure whether you can order it yet or whether it's available but i'm thinking oh yes it says submit in fact if you get one and submit a video to their facebook page you get a 10 buck refund applies to previous orders too so might be worth getting hold of one of those and trying them out um, well, we got, well, we got actually very near the end of the uh, end of the show, just in terms of timing. Uh, I wonder whether or not uh, we should uh, what we should do, really, because there's uh, there were two things I wanted to come oh. come come to. Rich, you you sound like you might be disappointed that there's one topic we haven't got to. Which would that be? Well, no, I mean, if you were going to close it out, you've got to do the. Uh... The playing, well, the playing of the of the Christmas Carol. I would think that would be. I mean, in a sort of pre-Christmas thing, it might. You might be right there. Um, I'm just wondering whether we've yeah, got time. Seasonal. It is seasonal. Well, I'm wondering whether we've got time to fit anything else in because there was actually some interesting additions. Yeah, I yeah. think we'll just. I think we'll have to go with the closing. And so what I'll do is I'll say, I'll, I'm going to play this now because uh, this is this is our next item, and this will be will close us out as well. So here we go. I think Bing and Bowie would just be so... They'd be weeping at the 
this. It's beautiful, isn't it? I'm not sure I can take any more of that, because in, in my little earbud earphones, that's an incredibly piercing sound. But that was the sound of, uh, well, I think it's a Hewlett-Packard scanner by BD594 from Toronto, Canada. And that was obviously Little Drummer Boy, which was made famous by the most bizarre, one of the most bizarre couplings of a Christmas record ever, Bing Crosby and David Bowie. David Bowie at the time being quite, you know, hip and happening. It just And it just seemed like such a... A strange, a strange connection, but that's by and by beside the wayside. But, um, <laughs> Rich, you requested this one that we get to it. You didn't want to lose this one, so what did it? Did it have? Does it hold a special place in your heart? Does it make you feel all festive? <laughs> I thought it was fascinating, and and actually, it's mostly because I had a conversation with one of our dear friends, uh, Kent. Not I don't know six months ago about the possibility of him making music with his CNC manufacturing machine with which he was making touch digital controllers at the time. So what occurred to me was that this was the actual realization of something that he had thought of pursuing. <laughs> That's excellent. Actually, we have covered something similar to this before. I think it was with printers or floppy drive motors, anything with stepper motors in it. I'm yeah. not entirely sure. Um, I'd just like to point out, actually, the project that uh, BD594 says, the project was really difficult. It was 70% timing and 30% execution. There are a lot of videos with floppies and stepper motors. They have quick response times because they're not under a heavy load. The problem with the flatbed scanner is moving the large carriage head. So he had to kind of make it work in terms of timing and pauses and stuff. I'm I'm guessing, Santa, we should probably come to you because you would be most qualified to uh, comment on this, seeing as it's sort of your domain there, Mr. Santa Force. (laughs) Why? Well, you know, I just, I I can't think why. It's because of your your outlook (laughs) and appearance, I think, is probably what it is. I have, I'm sort of slightly schizophrenic on things like this. If I ever met the bloke, I would either want to sort of buy him a drink and go, that was brilliant, or I'd quite like to set the dogs on him. <laughs> just, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of these around, and I was just, uh, I, yeah, no, clever, but I would be interesting. I would be interested to know actually how long that took, to from start to finish, how long it took to do and make and... Whether or not, I mean, you know, bless him for providing fodder for the uh, podcast, but I'm just wondering whether there are other more important and pressing matters in his own life that should be he should be getting on with other than... There was something quite weird, though, about this, in that did anybody else, or was I under some kind of hallucinogenic drug, uh, see the Raspberry Pi symbol pop up? Yes, there was. Yeah. And we talked about that, didn't we? The Raspberry Pi was that thing that we talked about, um, I think... Gas when out. everybody was in the same room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's gonna... what I was being used to control it, which was like a, a control on a PCB. I'm not sure. Mark, you've, your videos come back, and you're hatless. What's happened? I'm, I've just yeah. Well, I took the hat off because I thought you know it, it might be causing interference. Needed, suddenly, much to my surprise, you all just reappeared on my screen, and now I look mental. So. <laughs> I, oh, I thought you were going to come up with a much more interesting and exciting thing, a series of events than like you just Charles took your hat Chaplin off. Or <laughs> um, 
Shall I say what I think about Please this do, song? while you're there. This song, this song reminds me of being about six, I think. And I used to go to this school, and they made us sing this. And I was one of the small boys, the smaller boys in the school, so I had to stand at the front of the stage. And it was absolutely terrifying. The whole, all, all the parents came in, and there I was on this little, uh, and and it was like a, an old wooden library in an English public school, and public school meaning, you know, kind of a yeah. boarding school kind of school. Except I was a day boy, not public school, as in the American public school system, which is a completely different thing. Um, so, for the first few years of my life, I went to something which was a little bit like the sort of local Eton, you know, with yeah. all the posh children. And uh, and having to sing this song and just being absolutely terrified by it, and we it had, really like, brings back bad memories. Oh no! I thought it was Andy Williams. No, it doesn't bring back bad memories particularly. I think it was probably one of the first um, musical performances I ever did, and I just probably uh, just found it frightening. But I thought it was Andy Williams that recorded it for some reason. Maybe um, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure Andy it was Bing Williams. Bing and Bowie. Pretty sure. Yeah, it was yeah. horrendous. Oh, I thought video. a whole load of people did it before. Bing in fact, uh, uh, well, uh, yes. I mean, it's not. They didn't write it. I've, I've heard it before. Um, in fact, it was. Um, they're both wearing rather smashing Christmas jumpers in the video, aren't they? Standing round the fire and uh, in a very Yule kind of uh, fashion. <laughs> I'm. Um, I, oh, you know what? I could go off on a massive tangent about David Bowie, and I won't I appreciate talking. that, Mark. Because yeah, we're, only because we're we're drawing to a close. That's all. I, I know, Gaz. Is this the sort of thing that you um that you buy a Christmas CD of? Um, it's it's almost like the the cats thing, isn't it? You know, the kind of Christmas hits um, meowed by cats on the sort of early days of samplers, and now we're sort of maybe there'll be a, a Christmas uh, compilation CD or you know a, a not CD collection of MP3s of. Uh, Christmas carols or festive tunes played on mechanical devices programmed by people over enormously long amounts of time. I don't know. Something you buy? Um, no. <laughs> I don't know, no. Uh, I, yeah, these things are quite fun, aren't they? But as you say, the amount of time it takes to do sort of, um, you know, do, do the people who make it ever really get the sort of credit that they need, you know, for the amount of time they put in? I don't think so. Almost um, the same amount of time as it takes to make an album for some people, perhaps. I mean, I'm <laughs> guessing it might take a, an incredibly Yeah. Long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you probably set out to see if you could do it, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> I haven't got much to say, sorry. Right, well, that's okay. That In that case, I can probably... Ra- Actually, what Must I would... Be- Sorry, go go. They must be doing it for the satisfaction of. Oh yeah, I mean, no, it, I can so totally. I can totally. It's like making a, a cop. It's like making the Eiffel Tower and matchsticks, isn't it? I mean, it's it's a challenge. It's yes, something. Yes. You know, a man needs a hobby, generally. Um, I mean, I yeah. So I I don't mean to disrespect him in any way. I mean, obviously that's kind of it, it, it's. It, it's a lot of work and it, it requires a lot of different skills and what have you to, to, to accomplish it. So good, good for you. And hopefully, I mean, I wonder if you could do, whether you could have a scanner orchestra or that might be just asking a bit too much. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Do that. Scanner. Yeah. Well, we'll see whether that happens. Brilliant anyway, I, I, I have been forgetting to say that, um, I, 
are, we're also sponsored by Mac Pro Video, um, who you can get uh, 20% off any downloads by visiting sonicstate.com MPV. They've got an absolute ton of uh, video tutorials on Pro Tools, all sorts of things. In fact, they've got a new one on Pro Tools 10. They've got lots of stuff on Ableton Live, all sorts of really in-depth courses and tutorials. So if you want to save 20% on any downloads, sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Go to it and save yourself some cash. Uh, right, well, I'm guessing that, that we're heading towards our final, uh, the final furlong, and this is where we say our goodbyes. I'm hoping that next week uh, we'll be able to get squeeze one more show in before we all turn off for, for, the, uh, for the Christmas break. I fully intend to have the week off between Christmas and New Year. So if anyone else shows up to watch the show, I'm afraid it will probably be dead air. I might release something. I'm trying to get an interview sorted out in the meantime. So there might be something I can show you. But I want to say thank you very much to Gaz Williams, because uh, Gaz Williams is there. Your video is frozen, but I can still hear your voice. Thank you very much for joining okay. us, Gaz. Really appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, people can also see Gaz on Sonic Touch, uh, which is our iPad and music devices show, um, which should be out this evening, or certainly by the time that this reaches uh, this show reaches YouTube or um, or or MP3 World. And also going to say thank you very much to uh, Dave Spears. I'm going to switch to very shortly, and will regret making some of those <laughs> some of those gestures. Uh, Dave Spears, G4 <laughs> Software. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, really appreciate. I hope you're going to get. Are you going to get break for Christmas, or are you going to be? Are you? Are you oh, to... I don't know. Hang on, it's coming off. Are you going to now? I can't take it any longer. I forget to ask if oh. you're going to now, are you? Uh, we decided today that we're not. Right. Well, fair uh, enough. Partly because um, my passport ran out and uh, I've forgotten to renew it. Ooh, that's a great excuse. I'll have to try that when my passport yeah. runs out next year. Ah, good grief! It was you all along. Yeah, there you go. There's a surprise. <laughs> Why does Santa always smile? Um, because he knows where all the bad girls live. Ah, uh, great joke there. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dave Spears. G4 Software, I will probably have to cut you off before you get too dirty. It's something about wearing a beard of that nature. Anyway, thank you very much. And we'll also say thanks to Rich Hilton, uh, hiltonius.com. If uh, Rich makes a noise, uh, he will appear in one of those two squares you see before you. Uh, let's see. Which one is it? Left or right? Left or right? Uh, now. Woof. Uh, I think you have to make one more a noise a little bit longer than that. I'm making noises. There we go. We've got a right on time. Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us too. Uh, Hiltonius.com. Uh, I'm guessing you've probably, uh, you, are you winding down for Christmas or have you got kind of a lot of last minute stuff to get out of the way? I've got some last minute stuff to get out of the way. Yeah. But I'm, not- I'm, I'm happy about it. It's all good. It's, it's, a lot of fun and i'm really enjoying it excellent well thanks very much for joining us rich uh, very much appreciated and finally we'll say goodbye to mark tinley um have i already done that i'm I'm now becoming a little bit confused myself no you haven't said I goodbye haven't, to me haven't said goodbye to you and I'm by, still here. by speaking oh the hat's back on excellent the hat is back on. the hat is back yeah. on and the video's still on too so thank you very much mark mark tinley like being.com thank you for joining us uh and like we say le- next week is the last show before the christmas break uh certainly live uh, well, i might try and get something out in between so thanks very much for joining well, us <laughs> this uh, you're very welcome this thursday i'm going to the toastmasters christmas pantomime and we just basically have a rough outline of what the pantomime is going to be, and then we make it up as we go along. So I'll get some tips from that, and then wow. I'll send you a an idea, wow. and then maybe we can uh, we can start with something like that next week or something. Yeah. But I 
fully intends to wear a ridiculous wig and eyeshadow at least. Okay. Well, uh, your as is your want. So I, I, I wouldn't wish to. I wouldn't wish to put you off in any way from doing that. So I look forward to that <laughs> intensely. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for um, the Sonic Talk. Um, I guess I could play us out with another little blast of the Drummer Boy, just to keep it in the sort of um, the pleasant Christmassy style. So thank you very much.